0: Welcome to the Chosen People Radio Program, a production of Chosen People Ministries. On this program, you'll hear inspiring stories, learn about messianic apologetics, and discover God's plan for Israel and you. Now let's welcome our hosts, Mitch Glazer, President of Chosen People Ministries, and Robert Walter, our New York Regional Director.
1: Shalom, dear friends, and welcome to the Chosen People, a radio program sponsored by Chosen People Ministries, and thank you so much for taking time from your busy schedule Uh, to learn more about God's Word, especially seeing God's Word through a Messianic Jewish or from a a Jewish point of view, and uh, especially the New Testament. Of course, it's a little easier to see the Old Testament from a Jewish point of view, but um, most Jewish people are shocked when they discover that the New Testament was actually written by Jewish people also. I know there's some doubt about Luke, but that's a whole other discussion. Uh, But, look, he was a doctor, so he he was probably Jewish. That's a a New York joke. Mm -hmm. Uh, But either way, uh, we believe that this is God's Word and that when God's Word is viewed in its original context, uh, it really makes a difference in how you understand the Bible. It's good to understand the history. It's good to understand the geography. But you also have to understand some of the culture and some of the tradition uh, that Jesus walked into and that you walk into today particularly in sharing the gospel with your Jewish friends. And so we try and help you learn the some of the biblical subtext, you know, what's, what, what is Jewish about the Bible, because what is Jewish is not only exactly what the Old Testament says, because Jewish people have elaborated and developed traditions based on the Old Testament. And this program is going to focus on resurrection. And the whole idea of resurrection is, is no different than any other uh, biblical concepts. Um, to think that Jewish people do not traditionally, or at least classically, believe resurrection is a mistake. Uh, we have the resurrection of, uh, well, Elijah probably didn't die particularly, but we have the translation of Elijah, but we have Moses and uh, there was a big discussion. You see that in the book of Jude in the New Testament over where his body was, but part of that, of course, is even more uh, challenging when you read the New Testament because he shows up at the Mount of Transfiguration. So, you know, is Moses dead or alive? Is he resurrected or what? But we know that resurrection is a Jewish idea. Even in the death of Isaac in Uh, Genesis 22, where God told Abram to murder his son. And uh, a lot of Jewish sages said Isaac actually died and rose. He died of fear when he saw the knife and then rose from the dead right there on Mount Moriah. And so uh, there are these concepts of resurrection uh, floating all the way through the Old Testament and through Jewish tradition. So When we say that we want to prove that uh, Jesus rose from the dead, and we do that as evidence for a Jewish person to believe in Jesus, a traditional Jewish person would not have a big problem with the resurrection. And quite frankly, Jewish people all believe, I mean, classically believe, not your secular Jewish friend maybe, but Jewish people at least are supposed to believe that there'll be a great resurrection in the end of days. And so resurrection is not a foreign idea to Jewish people. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the Hebrew Scriptures, and it's a part of Jewish tradition. So I'm going to have my co-host, Bobby Walter, walk you through some of the ways in which we commonly demonstrate that the resurrection of Jesus really happened in space and time. And then I'm going to take a moment uh, after, Bobby, and share with you how the idea of resurrection is rooted and grounded in the Hebrew scriptures. And so if you have a more open Jewish friend, you can use Bobby's arguments. If you have a less open Jewish friend, well, you can begin that conversation with some of what I'll share with you in a moment. So Bobby, it's, it's, it's your turn.
2: Yeah, yeah, thank you, Mitch. And um, Shalom to all of our listeners. Again, we're uh, grateful that you're tuning in. And uh, Mitch, this topic is vital for our faith. You know, honestly, this is really one of the most important questions that any person could ever ask, right? If Jesus rose from the dead, then he is who he claimed to be, the Messiah of Israel and the Son of God. But if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then he should go down in history as just another false messiah. So, in other words the truth of belief in Yeshua rises or falls on whether or not he rose from the dead. And the apostle Paul said as much in 1 Corinthians 15, 17, he says, if Messiah has not been raised, then your faith is futile. But uh, again, as believers, those who have encountered the Messiah, the risen Messiah, Jesus, and have come to believe in him and, and are born again, we know that our faith is not futile, that Jesus did indeed rise from the dead. Now, why can we trust this? What are the facts when it comes to the resurrection? Now, virtually all New Testament scholars, whether they're religious, they're believers in Jesus, or secular, whether they're Jewish or Gentile alike, they all agree that the following five things actually happened as related to the resurrection of Jesus. Number one, they believe that he died by crucifixion. Number two, They believe that the disciples sincerely believed that Jesus rose from the dead and appeared to them. Number three, they believe that the Jewish religious leader, Paul, who strongly opposed the new Yeshua movement within Judaism, suddenly became a follower of Yeshua himself. Number four, they believe that Yeshua's brother, James, was a skeptic throughout the life and ministry of Yeshua and then suddenly came to believe that he was indeed the Messiah And number five, they all agree that the tomb was actually empty. Uh, So, all of these points, uh, again, are agreed upon when it comes to the resurrection of Jesus. And I think one thing that's, you know, possibly like the most compelling out of all of it uh, is the experience of the disciples beyond the resurrection. Every single one of them, every single one of the 11, right? They maintained the fact that he actually rose from the dead and that they saw him and spoke with him and that they watched him ascend into heaven. Uh, And they began to spread this message and it was at great peril for them personally to spread this message. They were tortured, they were martyred, they were persecuted and they eventually died. You know, They were martyred because of this fact, because of the fact of the resurrection. Uh, And if it did not happen, then at least one of them probably would have recanted, if not all of them, when faced with the prospect of death. But sure enough, historically in, in scripture and in early church history, we see that every single one of these apostles, these disciples, maintained uh, that the resurrection of Jesus actually happened.
1: Now, Bobby, I think I, of course, agree with all of this. I think that there are even further powerful arguments. Uh, who Moved the Stone, for example, that great book by Frank Morrison, who is a British attorney, who really did a great job on arguing for the factual uh, nature of the resurrection uh, from the books of the new testament the problem in in jewish evangelism is jewish people don't believe the new testament right right. right so it's a it's kind of a circular argument for jewish people and so uh one of the things that i do i mean if you have an open more secular jewish person a lot of this will make sense to them but if you have a more religious jewish person uh, they they just don't accept the New Testament as a historical document or a spiritual document, and it's because of all the negative things that Christians have done to Jewish people or alleged Christians have done, and uh, and you know it's just hard to rise above those those challenges. Uh, but one of the ways that I've usually done it is I've gone back to the Old Testament promises, not only about a resurrection, but also about his death. So you can't have the resurrection without the death can't have the death without the resurrection because they're oftentimes in the same passages and what sense does resurrection make if you don't have a death and so uh it's found in isaiah 53 it's found in zechariah 12 10 and it's very interesting that uh that peter when he got up to preach in the book of acts in uh, chapter 2 he begins preaching and uh, he actually turns to uh, psalm 16 when he starts preaching about the resurrection let me read from chapter 2 verse 24 but god raised him up again putting an end to the agony of death since it was impossible for him to be held in its power for david says of him so peter is applying psalm 16 to the person of jesus i saw the lord always in my presence for he is at my right hand so that i will not be shaken Therefore my heart was glad, my tongue exalted, moreover my flesh also will live in hope because you will not abandon my soul to Hades, nor allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You have made known to me the ways of life, you will make me full of gladness with your presence." Now listen to verse 29 because Peter's gonna show how David was not speaking about himself, but speaking about the greater son of David, the Messiah who would come, die, and then rise. Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And so because he was a prophet and knew that God had sworn to him with an oath to seat one of his descendants on the throne, he looked ahead and spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was neither abandoned to Hades nor did his flesh suffer decay. And I love the punchline. This Jesus, God raised up again, to which we are all Witnesses. I mean, I love the power of it, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, so, Peter, the Jewish fisherman who maybe wasn't anywhere close to being a rabbi or trained as a rabbi like Paul, he understood the Hebrew scriptures. He quoted the Hebrew scriptures, applied the Hebrew scriptures, and fully understood that Psalm 16, in its ultimate fulfillment, didn't refer to King David, but actually referred to the greater son of David, uh, Jesus. Uh, the Messiah. This is corroborated, Bobby. In Isaiah 53, in verse 10, for example, verses one through nine, you have a strong argument for this servant of the Lord, this Messiah to die, not just a death, but an atoning death. Yeah. In verse 10, we read, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as an asham, a guilt offering, totally consumed. Then listen to the second part of this verse. He will see his offspring How's that if he's dead? How's that possible? He will prolong his days. How do you prolong your days when you're dead? And the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. And there's even more in Isaiah chapter 53 about this. So clearly there is an understanding within the Hebrew scriptures that the anointed one, the Messiah would both suffer and die and also conquer death by rising from the dead. And it's very interesting that some of my neighbors call the Chabad Lubavitch, a very Hasidic group of people, when their rebbe, Menachem Schneerson, died a number of years ago, they all said that he would rise from the grave. In fact, this group, which is thousands upon thousands of of Hasidic Jewish people, they have bus tours of his gravesite Mm -hmm. so that people pray at his grave for his resurrection. And if you ask any of them... Do you believe that Menachem Schneerson is going to raise from the dead? They would all say, yes, some of them would be coy with you. (laughs) But you look them in the eye with some Brooklyn resilience and say, just tell me straight, is this guy, is your rabbi going to rise from the dead? They have to say yes, because that's what they believe. The idea of resurrection is a Jewish idea. It's all the way through the Hebrew scriptures. And so when a Jewish person may not be quite ready To accept the factual evidence of the resurrection in the new testament because they don't accept the new testament feel free to turn to the hebrew scriptures to the old testament to the promise that the messiah would not only die for our sins but would also rise from the dead you can't have the death without the resurrection you can't have the resurrection obviously without the death they are twin sisters they are two profound biblical truths that are the fundamental pillars of our salvation. And so I hope that will encourage your hearts today and that you'll have confidence to speak to both Jews and Gentiles about the death and the resurrection of Jesus the Messiah.
0: New York City, home to an estimated 1.6 million Jewish people. At Chosen People Ministries, we gather believers from all over the country every summer to proclaim the good news of Jesus the Messiah to Jewish people all around the city. We engage in street outreach and follow-up. We also invite our volunteers to a special Jewish cultural day, Sabbath dinner celebration and more. If you have a heart for the Jewish people and love to talk about Jesus, visit ChosenPeople.com slash ShalomNewYork to find out more. That's chosenpeople.com slash Shalom New York. We hope to see you this summer.
2: Welcome back. You're listening to The Chosen People. Here at Chosen People Ministries, we hear from a lot of Jewish people who have found the Messiah, and right now we'd like to share one of those stories with you. you.
3: Being Jewish was very, very important to me, at least culturally. Twice a week I went to Hebrew school. Bar Mitzvah was very tough for me because I had to sing in front of a thousand people. I was very protective of my Jewishness even though I didn't know God. I didn't know I could know God. But I remember thinking, is there a God? Life's purpose was to have as much fun as you can before you die, partying and drugs and alcohol. And my best friend, his name was Brian McCrae, he was not Jewish, he was Irish Catholic, he became a believer in Jesus. What had happened to Brian? Why wouldn't he drink? Why would anybody wanna be religious when you could just go out and have fun all the time? And, and to be honest with you, I was a bit angry at Brian. He was my best friend. And suddenly he couldn't do with me the fun things that he used to do because of his new faith. I said, Brian, are you telling me that if I'm not born again like you're talking about, I'm not going to heaven? I couldn't think of anything more arrogant than for him to say that his way was the only way. Brian then turned to me and he opened up his Bible to John 3, 3, where it says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it was like swords just flew out of heaven. and. I didn't know what to do. I could barely move. And all I can tell you, it was like somebody turned on the lights. For the next eight months, I wondered, I searched. And then in 1983, the fall came, and it was Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. And I decided, I'm going to fast this time. I had never fasted on Yom Kippur. And at the end of 24 hours of fasting, of longing for something of a, 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 a speck, of a relationship with God, I felt nothing. I did very poorly in school. I barely graduated. So I make it to this one college that will let me in. It's not Harvard, (laughs) let's put it that way. I go home for fall break and I see my friend Brian. Brian, of course, is talking to me about Jesus again. And I said, Brian, just stop. I have one question for you. Is your life better now that you are a believer in Jesus. Because I thought he would say to me, Ron, no, it's not better. We had fun. We used to get drunk and party. We had a great time. And you know, now I live kind of a boring religious life. But when I die, I get to go to heaven. That, that is what I thought the deal was. You exchange your fun life for a boring life and you get to go to heaven. But that's not what Brian said to me. He looked at me and his face lit up with joy. And he said, Ron, I know God. And when he said that, I knew he was telling me the truth. My friend Dean and I, he was in college with me, and even though he was not a believer, he saw this Jewish guy who was interested and wanted to help. And he takes me to this movie about Jesus, and at the end of the movie, I was crying. And Dean, if I was crying, he was weeping. We got in the car, we're driving back to Lewisburg, and I began to pray. Now, even though I'd been in the synagogue all my life and had been bar mitzvah and been to temple, I had never prayed. I'd never prayed from my heart. I'd never talked to God as if he was a person. And I said, God, I believe you're real. I didn't believe you were real eight months ago, but today I believe you're real. And if you will tell me how to serve you, I will serve you. Do you want me to become an Orthodox Jew, a Lubavitch? Do, you, do I have to become a born again Christian? Maybe a Hindu, I don't know. But if you show me, I'll serve you. And as I finished this prayer, I, I prayed inside, not out loud. Suddenly I noticed that, that Dean was losing control of the car. It began to swerve from side to side. It spun around several times. And as the car began to, to swerve from side to side and then spin around, I just thought, are we going to die? And then it flips over several times and we end up in the middle of the ditch. Now the first thought that came to my mind as I'm laying upside down in a ditch in the middle of North Carolina is there could not be a Jesus. If this was real, how how could I get in a car accident right as I'm praying? And as I was having all these thoughts, I, I realized we're in a car still upside down and I looked to Dean, he's fine. He looks to me and I'm fine. And we looked at this car, this wreckage, it was a total loss. It's pitch black, it's it's probably 10 p.m. at night. We didn't know what to do. We start walking and, and we see one house, one house in the middle of nowhere. We walked up to this one house, we knocked on the door. We walk in, we sit down, they're giving us water. I saw a Bible, I saw a magazine that I knew was kind of religious or something. And I knew we just got an accident, but I asked the wife, I said, are you guys believers in Jesus? And she said, well, yes. She went on to talk theologically about what Jesus did. And I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't understand any of it, except that while she was talking to me, a presence and a power that I cannot explain in human words came upon me. I'd call it electricity, but that's too weak of a word. I could not, get rid of this feeling and the more I resisted it the stronger it got like somebody was just turning it up slowly and I just stopped her and I said what is this feeling I'm feeling I asked God just a few minutes (laughs) before show me the truth next thing I know I'm upside down in the middle of North Carolina then I'm in the home of true genuine believers in Jesus the movie the prayer The car wreck. If I deny this, I have no excuse. This is real. And the next day I woke up and I thought, well, how will I live a life free of drugs and alcohol? And And, and then one day became two days. And two days became a week. And suddenly it was a month. And then I realized I was free. I just believed and everything changed in my life. After I came to faith, I thought I'm no longer Jewish. I'm now a Christian. And then I began to read the New Covenant and I thought, oh my gosh, everyone's Jewish. There's a guy named John the Baptist in the New Testament and he's Jewish, not actually a Baptist. There's a guy named Paul the Apostle who's actually a Jewish rabbi. The Bible says, Isaiah 53, that a Jewish man would come and that he would take on the sin of the Jewish nation and then he would die for them, a sinner's death. He would be buried in a rich man's grave. All that happened and that he would see the light of life again. That is Jesus, Yeshua. But you might say, I, I'm Jewish. How can I believe in Jesus? Let me just challenge you. Go read the New Testament. What you're going to find out, it's a story about Jewish people finding the Jewish Messiah.
2: You're listening to The Chosen People, which is produced and sponsored by Chosen People Ministries. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you'd like to learn more about this weekly program, or how you can partner with us this year, then let me encourage you to stop by our website. You'll find us online at chosenpeople.com slash radio.
1: I really hope you'll do that, friends, and I know that uh, you'll be blessed to get more engaged with Chosen People Ministries as we reach Jewish people all over the globe. And one of our favorite places to reach Jewish people, because there are so many there, is the nation of Israel. And I know that you pray for the peace of Jerusalem and and that you care. Uh, We're excited because we just began the purchase of a new messianic center, a 4,000-square-foot center in Tel Aviv, and it's right on the Ramat Gan border, which is a major suburb just outside of uh, Tel Aviv. Our present outreach center across the street is the home base for what I think is a, a genuine, authentic, amazing movement of the Spirit of God among Jewish Israeli young adults. By God's grace, we'll be able to move into this new center sometime uh, towards December. We hope our plan is to reach Jewish people there as we're doing before, but we, we've run out of room. Sometimes we have over a hundred young people there, and we only seat about fifty or sixty. So you can imagine it's a real squeeze. And so we do concerts and dinners and evangelistic lectures and a variety of programs designed for the whole family, including the children. And so we really need you to stand with us in prayer. So connect with us, would you please? At chosenpeople.com forward slash radio. And when you reach out today, be sure
2: to ask for our latest resource on Israel called The People, The Land, and the Future of Israel. It's free and available right now on DVD or as a digital download. So call us today. The number to dial is 888-293-7482. That's 888-2-YESHUA the Hebrew name for Jesus. And now let's wrap up today's program with the Aaronic benediction.
1: Yevarekha Adonai
3: v'yishmerecha Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'chunecha Yisah Adonai
1: may the lord bless you and keep you may the lord lift his countenance upon you and be gracious to you may the face of the lord shine upon you and give you peace b'shem shall yeshua hamashiach sar shalom In the name of Jesus the Messiah, the Prince of Peace.